So, so a collection of things you could think of as, say, like a bucket of objects that really don't relate to each other, puzzle pieces that don't match up, or uh, an, an eclectic mix of, of uh, different objects on your desk. I think you'd find that many things you can find a connection between in some way. Now, the point, the relevant point is how strong is the connection? Is it worth right. the time? Hi, welcome to this episode about systems thinking on Stop Killing Deals. We will be talking about systems thinking with Ross Arnold. And Ross has more than 20 years experience in software engineering and technical leadership for the defense industry. Currently, he's working at the Department of Defense and uses skills about systems thinking to build software to protect human lives. Ross has also written a few papers on the topic of systems thinking that I would highly recommend that you read. We will add those to this episode on Bright Talk. For those of you viewing the video version of this episode, you will only see Ross on screen and not me. This was because of a technical mistake on my part. Sorry about that. But hey, Ross is the VIP in the room. So we're all good, I think. I hope you will like this episode. Let's bring in Ross. So hi, Ross. Welcome to the show. Uh, before we get started, could you please tell us shortly about your role, where you are now, and how you got into systems thinking? Sure, absolutely. And thank you for having me, George. My pleasure. So, so I am uh, I'm a, a software and systems engineer for the Department of Defense, and I've been doing this for um, almost 20 years now. So it's been, you know, there's people who have been in it for longer than me, but it's been a long time. Um, it's been a long road. And I first got into systems thinking because Systems thinking is really pushed in the Department of Defense for our uh, government civilian employees. The reason for this is because we have these huge national defense projects that are, have far-reaching uh, effects. And on top of that, we also uh, contribute to the national defense strategy. And so we need to be able to see things that are, uh, as I can get into later in the interview, see things that are holistic and see connections between things. Uh, and, and be successful at complex problem solving. That's originally how I started in systems thinking. And I began to uh, look into it a lot more when I began my PhD research in systems engineering, I specifically narrowed down on systems thinking. And one of the reasons is because it can really affect so many things in life, not just work, it can affect relationships and uh, you know any kind, of, any kind of problem in your life. You can, many of these really hard problems you can apply systems thinking to. And it's very interesting to me to mm. see how this tool set could, you know, not just aid in my work, but in my life. And so I use it all the time, every day, uh, in my my doctoral research and in my work and in my everyday life. And, and I think a lot of people feel the same way about it. Fascinating. Let's get right into it. We are all curious to learn more about what systems thinking is, how it's used and, uh, and all of these things. So how would you define systems thinking? Great. I'm, I'm glad you asked because this is one of the reasons that I started my doctoral research and one of the reasons why I wrote uh, some papers in this area is because you can read up on systems thinking and get 20 different definitions from 20 different sources. And it's very difficult to understand what it is. So I tried to simplify this and bring these sources together and bring this to a wider audience. So I'm very happy to be here to be able to explain it. Um, so I would describe systems thinking as a way to understand systems. It's a set of skills 
And I would describe them as analytic skills. So it's a set of skills that you can use to understand all kinds of systems and affect them, make them do what you want. And so, so some of the keys here, I think, are often people will think of systems as something technical, like a car or a phone. And that's really not what we're talking about. It's any system. You know, it could be a relationship, it could be the economy, um, you know, it could be it could be a technical system, um, yeah. but it could be a hospital or a school system or anything like that. Um, so, so systems thinking is the ability to recognize these and understand how they work. And then make changes to them so they do what you want. That's really interesting. And uh, what would you say is the mindset you should get yourself into if you want to start understanding systems better? I love that you use the word mindset because uh, one of the ways that I describe systems thinking is by describing the the various skills that you would apply. And one of them is one of the big areas is, is literally called mindset. So it's, it's, you know, it's how you approach systems. So some of the mindset skills that you would want to have are things like, of course, keeping an open mind, right? Yeah. But, but the ability to explore different perspectives, not getting stuck in your own perspective and, you know, taking a look at perspectives that might be, uh, and, and whether this perspective is personal or uh, environmental or organizational, but we can take personal as an easy example. Maybe there's someone you really, really disagree with about something. Doesn't mean there's no value in exploring that perspective. You mm -hmm. still need to look at that to understand how did this person get to that point? Well, what are the beliefs? I mean, is this person, you know, crazy or stupid? Probably not. So well, how did the person get there and what is that perspective? So kind of keeping an open mind, exploring these different perspectives, keeping in mind that many things are indirect, cause and effect, very broad, and there are many root causes for different phenomena. Uh, so to keep that direct connection and say this one thing is the whole problem, probably not going to get you very far. Right. So, so that's yeah. So that's that's really a part of that systems thinking mindset. Here, looking at the different connections between things, what's connected to what other things, how strong, uh, and what are you missing? What aren't you seeing? both on the macro view, like on the big wide scale, and also on the narrow view. What are the specific things? Very interesting. So can you share like a simple example of a system and uh, maybe an example of something that is just a collection of things that is not to be considered a system so we can understand that how to sort of identify a system? Sure. Um, I think a good, one of the good examples I like to use as a system is a personal relationship and in particular maybe we could say a relationship with a boss or an employee. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people might not think of this as a system, but I think it's important to see it as one. So you have a relationship with this individual and you may have a certain amount of, let's say uh, like a personal capital or trust level. And that could roughly equate to money in the bank. You, know, you can spend it, you can gain it, you can save it, you can lose it. So you have this kind of personal capital. Maybe you use it to call in favors, uh, you build it by being kind to this person developing some kind of rapport with the person, maybe, you know, going out for drinks every once in a while, whatever it is. And there are some complex factors that affect your relationship with this person. There's give and take. There are feedback loops between what you do uh, and what your boss does and tells you to do. And, and it's really important to understand sometimes the external effects. So maybe 
your boss um, or, or you as the boss, maybe you have a bad day and maybe you chew out one of your employees or something like that, or your boss chews you out. And, you know, and you're sitting there at the end of the day feeling like, wow, I must have done a terrible job. Well, maybe not. Maybe what happened in your boss's day? Maybe he woke up and, or maybe she woke up and, uh, you know, spilled coffee all over her shirt. And it was very annoyed when she came to work in the morning. And maybe that's the only reason. And, yeah. you know, you're sitting here feeling upset about it and it has something to do with him. So I think that's a good example of a system that is maybe, maybe a lot of people might not think of initially. And it's something we encounter every day, right? It's something we care about. So, yeah, so, so a collection of things you could think of as, um, you know, let's say, uh, let, let's say like a bucket of objects that really don't relate to each other, um, puzzle pieces that don't match up or uh, an, an eclectic mix of, of uh, different objects on your desk. Maybe those aren't great examples. You probably can intuitively understand. Really, those are not systems. I think you'd find that many things you can find a connection between in some way. Now, the point, the relevant point is how strong is the connection? Is it worth right. the time? So are there any, any specific questions you would ask yourself to figure out if you're dealing with a system and how strong these connections might, might be? Sure, absolutely. I think one of the biggest questions is just why. Just yeah. keep asking why. Why did that happen? Yeah. And and keep an open mind with the why. You have to remove your emotion from it. This is an objective thing. You can't you can, you can be upset, but you have to ignore that if something happened to you that's painful or difficult, challenging. Well, why? Really why? Not what are you annoyed about? What actually happened? What did you do? How did you contribute to the problem? Um, what are the impacts of things that happened externally? And then from there, again, well, why did those things happen? You can follow that chain and you just keep following that chain. Keep asking why and looking from, from where these different effects came from. And sometimes you'll get to a point where you don't know why. And that's where you got to look. You got to read, interview, talk to people, do some digging, figure mm -hmm. that out. And, and when people get into systems thinking and want to learn more, are there any sort of common mistakes? one may, could make or that you see people making when it comes to this topic? Yeah, there are a couple of different areas I think that people commonly do, or, or I would say they learn not to do when they start learning about systems thinking. One is uh, blaming people or thing or something. So maybe you blame your friend or someone on the street or, or a political figure or whatever it may be, you know, someone in your chain of command for some problem. A lot of times it's really not the person. It's the system that the person is operating within. You can take that person out, swap that person with someone completely different, and the system will operate the same way or very, very similarly. Mm. And sometimes it's really important to understand. And blaming has all these kind of negative effects, especially within an organization. Once you start to blame people, now nobody wants to tell you anything and no one wants to admit failure. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's scared. Like, oh, I'm not going to do well. I'm going to get blamed. Remove that blame and look at well, well, what happened. Why didn't the person do well? Is there some training deficiency, motivational deficiency? Does the person feel like they don't fit in? You know, is maybe it's your own equipment. Maybe you set a bad example as the reader. Right? Um, so that's one of the things I think is, is blame. People tend to do this, and this is a big no no. So you don't want to do that. And and that relates to this whole concept of not looking deep enough the direct connection. It's not a one-to-one. -one. Don't look at the direct connection. Look beyond that. What are the indirect connections? Mm -hmm. What have happened over time? And it could be a long time, 10, 20 years, 1,000 years. 
What happened 2,000 years ago in our culture's past that has caused us to be make, having this conversation today, let's say? <laughs> right? And, and, and there are things that are going to have led up to that. And sometimes those things are important, especially when we're examining things like a large-scale policy, yeah. you know, or in my case, defense policy, and, and how to prevent conflict and wars and things like that. Why did these wars happen in the past? What can we do about that in the future? Fascinating topic, this. Uh, so when, when you started working with this and really digging deep into this, how has it changed your way of working? Uh, if we take work now as an example, how, how has your uh, work improved by knowing these things? Right. So I, I think a really good example of this is, so about six years ago, six or seven years ago, uh, I was pulled into a huge uh, defense engineering project. It's like a $200 million project, which which may or may not be huge, depends on what department you work for, but it was huge for me. Yeah. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot of money, big project. This is a brand new area. Um, we had just been assigned this brand new area, new customer, and I was responsible for leading the entire engineering team, bringing up the team from scratch, building the team. I had help with building the team. Mm. Uh, and, and it was a multidisciplinary team that was located all over the country. And I had really just started my systems thinking work at the time. And it was hugely helpful just figuring out how to get people together. The, the littlest things like who sits next to whom, yeah. uh, you know, what are those lines of communication? How can I set up the team such that we have successful feedback loops and I get the information that I need and then I can get that information out to the team, mm. how to get everyone working together. And, and, and that's not even on top of what we're actually doing. And one of the areas that I found that really helped was when you're looking at these whys and examining the holistic, the big picture, looking at the interconnections between the systems and how things affect each other, you start to realize things like the goal is really important. People self-organize, right? They don't really need to be told what to do on a day-to-day -day basis. They really, especially if they're highly motivated, they just need a goal. And as the leader, you provide a vision. If you can create a vision for them, that will be huge. Uh, so I found that systems thinking really helped me to narrow down and create, focus that vision for the team, which they didn't have. So yeah, those are some of the areas. I mean, there's just tons. There's just, just, just absolutely tons. You know, relationships between things, dynamic behavior, how things change over time, team dynamics, um, performance, like sometimes you have a lot of energy in the beginning with the uh -huh. team, especially software development team, that can kind of wane. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and, then, and then what do you do about that? And how do you reinvigorate the team and get, get the team into that sort of performing stage where everyone trusts each other and you're working well together and you're really producing something of value. You know, I, I think, not to drag it out, but I, I also think just the idea of the value chain a lot of people don't even think about it. Like, what do you do every day that's actually useful? Where is where is the value in your work, in your company? What is your role that actually adds value? And what can you do? And if it's not, you have the courage just to not do it. You know, if your chain of command is telling you to do something and it's not value added, just don't do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to have that narrative to be able to explain to them, hey, listen. This is why I believe that this is not value added, and I understand why you would come to this conclusion. And you know, you are fully empowered to direct me to do this. However, I would argue that you know this thing is not valuable, uh, and I think it's very important to be able to keep that in mind. What is the value? Where are you adding? And if you feel that like you're doing something every day at work that adds value, it's very motivating, especially yeah. when your work is far-reaching. Right? 
sure you've had the same experience building the company, which has been very successful. Yeah, definitely. You need to have that that vision and that goal front front and center. And it's it's easy to to get distrayed and start running in 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 different directions when you see a shiny objects. So yeah, that's a that's a good <laughs> good yeah. point. So I'm also wondering. Um, if it sounds to me that in order to be good at systems thinking, we need to be able to sort of go beyond seeing that something happened, an event occurred, and we react to that event, but rather to see, okay, why did it happen? Is this a, something which is a part of a bigger picture? Uh, look at it more holistically. Is Would you say that this is something that we as humans have a hard time doing? I mean, or why is this so uh, what, what perceived as so, so difficult? So in my research, I discovered two schools of people and there was one school of people that are naturally actually pretty good at systems thinking and unfortunately that school or it's a group of people it's very very low percentage of the population so you're right about that and i i don't necessarily know why i think it's certainly rooted in um culture um and, and there's probably human nature involved in there you know, as a systems thinker, I'd be hesitant to, to, to attack one cause on it. There's probably all kinds of multiple interrelated causes that kind of emerge in, in this kind of, kind of phenomenon where a lot of our, our, our folks are not. It's actually would be a, actually it would be a really interesting uh, research project to maybe figure mm -hmm. out why that is the case. I wonder if it has to do with industrialization. Did prior civilizations have better systems thinking skills than we did? Interesting, very interesting questions. But it's true that a lot of people don't seem to necessarily make those connections um, out of the gate. And but it can be learned. And I, I think you know, I think anyone can learn it. And I think one of the things that's really valuable about systems thinking is you start to look at the. So one of the books that I read that that I found very valuable was this book called Switch. And the idea is that it's a sort of a a chain growth mindset versus a static mindset. I think that's highly right. relevant to systems thinking. You can switch to that change growth mindset that's all what systems thinking is about it's about being able to look at these problems and saying we have these huge problems that have occurred in the past we've had a great depression we've had wars famine and disease natural disasters instead of looking at those as inevitable you start to see those as problems that can be solved and i think that is really um, part of the one of the critical parts of it and anyone can learn this skill but a lot of people really don't seem to do it. I guess it, it can be quite hard work. I mean, you ha really have to expand and start looking at things from dis different perspectives. And I guess you have to challenge your own assumptions about things as well. Like you said earlier, you might get into a reaction or you get emotional uh, and trying to put that aside and, and, and really take different perspectives can be quite a challenge, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the emotional component is a big, big, huge part of it. Just being able to, to, to and that's one of the reasons I, I tend to call it systems thinking maturity is usually the term I use to describe the skill because it really mirrors emotional maturity and personal uh, maturity and growth. It's something that you learn over time and you learn to manage, I don't want to say control your emotions, but you manage them well, mm. well enough to be effective. And it's something that it, it, maybe it's hard to learn at first, especially as you're wrapping your head around it, but it becomes instinctive. And it really becomes something you do every day, just as part of your you know, everyday thinking. You see problems that come up and you see things in the news and you're talking to you know, your friends or your relatives and 
all of a sudden you're you're seeing those connections. It's like, wow, no, wait a minute. That that that's not right. That that thing that someone's telling you, that can't be true. That doesn't make any sense. There's more to that. And you just start to do it every day and it becomes just you know part of your life. And I and I often wonder if there are sort of connections between the concept of wisdom, um, the concept of fairness, things like that. There there probably are connections there that are worthy of you know, some additional research exploration, which someday I would love to do, uh, you yeah. know, if, if I could get the government to fund me $200 million to do more systems thinking research instead of building defense systems. And that's unfortunately, it's <laughs> uphill battle. Yeah, you never know. You never know. They can surprise you. <laughs> they, they do. They do. Every day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was curious when you said in, in the beginning, you mentioned that systems thinking has not just helped you in, in your work, but also in your personal life. Uh, do you, would you say that, that it has changed your worldview? And and if so, how? So I definitely feel that it's enhanced my worldview. I feel that I have a clearer picture of things that are happening in the world. Or at least I have not a, a greater awareness of when I don't know what's happening. So it, it adds a humility, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, it's kind of beyond the ego of I know exactly what happened. I'm I'm so you know I'm so smart. I know exactly what's going on. And you start to realize, well, maybe I don't really know what's going on. I can make some guesses. I know what to look for. Um, so it's really it's like a big kind of humility tool, which I think is very helpful because the world is extremely complex, and yeah. it's very important to be able to approach it with that humility. Um, yeah. So it's definitely affected my worldview. I'm not sure if I would say it's changed it as like a 180. I know some people report that in systems thinking that they feel it's really, really changed it. I would say it's enhanced it greatly. And it's really given me the ability to illuminate mysteries that I once felt were just impossible to know uh, or not even worth investigating. Now I have that tool set to try to, to try to approach it. And one of the great things about systems thinking, one of the many, is that it gives you this tool set to approach uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you know, something you're nervous about because you just don't know anything, like unknowns. How do you approach complete unknown situations? And that can be very, very, and almost, I would say, instinctively uh, anxiety-inducing for humans, right? Because mm -hmm. probably sometime in the distant past, we approached an unknown situation and died. Yeah. So we're sort of, you know, kind of instinctively formulated to avoid those or, or be afraid yeah. of those. And that's, in many ways, that's a good thing. Um but systems thinking gives us that ability to, to manage that fear and say, hey, you know what? I have a tool set. I know how to do this. Yes, I'm afraid. It's okay. I can handle that. I can manage that fear and I can tackle this problem. I know what to do. I can start looking at the connections. What's going on here? What's the system? How did this problem emerge from all of these environmental factors? And what can I start to do? What are the leverage points that I can do to change it? Are there rules and laws that I can change? Are there people setting goals that I can affect? Um, you know, who who has the the knowledge about this system and, and who has access to that information? Um, so it really helps with uh, with that kind of, kind of world. So. so you mentioned when you were in charge of this large project and you have had to work like across different departments, and uh, I'm sure you are you knew your team uh, inside and out, your your system, so to speak. But now you were in, intertwined with other sort of systems that you might not have been as um, aware of or uh, know as much about. How would you go about to really make, understand how these different systems that have to now work together, if we're talking about humans, <laughs> uh, 
uh, how to actually make that into a more smooth uh, operation, so to speak. Right. So I think for me, one of the first things that I did and that I recommend that, that uh, organizational leaders do is, and that's like a kind of an area of particular interest to me is technical leadership over these teams. It's you know, what I tend to do mm -hmm. every day and what I have a lot of experience in. So what I usually like to do is, firstly, some people will be shy about meeting new teams. Get over that. Let's go. Just do it. Uh -huh. They'll be shy about poking into technologies. Uh, they'll be shy about, you know, uh, picking up other people's uh, technical products and, and looking at them and examining them. I just say, just, just get over that. Go meet with the team up front, talk to them and talk to individual people on the team and just get a sense of how they do business. Mm -hmm. What do they like to do? What have been some problems in the past? How does their team mesh? You need, you need knowledge. You need to know how the team works. You don't need to know everything, mm -hmm. but you need to have some knowledge of how it works. So just start to meet. So I, so I traveled all over the country and, met with various subcomponents of the team. I would just walk right into the office, right into the labs and just sit down right next to someone's computer. Hey, what are you working on? What's this code? They had no idea who I was until their bosses would come and say, oh, be careful what you say, a VIP in the room, you know? And then I had to say, oh, come on, you know, let's just talk to me. I'm an engineer. I understand how this works. Yeah. Uh, give me the lowdown. And I, I, to be honest, I really feel like that sort of personal connection, yeah. even if it's, it, you're never going to get it with everybody. But you can just do it with a few people at that working level. That really helps to understand how that process works. Then you can go back and say, okay, I know how this team works. I know mm. how that team works. Okay, where are the linkages here? Mm. And what can I do to affect these teams? And also just, I, I think, asking the teams what they need and asking your employees, I'm sure you know when you work, asking your employees, what do you need to get your work done? What are obstacles that you have mm. that I can get rid of? And don't be shy about telling you that I'm an obstacle. What am I doing wrong? You know, I personally have a strong personality. I know that I can affect people. I can be uh, a very dominant personality in the world. So sometimes I have to take a step back and say, hey, mm. you know, tell me what I'm doing and, and please just hit me with it. I'll be fine. I'm going to be friends with you afterwards. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also when, you, when you're working with different departments, they might have their goals already. And now you have a new project. Uh, and it's the most important project for you as the project manager. Uh, however, their different individual or group goals and individual goals might not be perfectly aligned with yours. Um, so I guess that is also to be seen as a part of the system to really understand, okay, if, if I now bring this change into their environment, how will they be motivated? How will that affect what they're currently doing and their current goals and motivations, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's different organizations with different goals and, 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 and there's a lot of, I would say, politics at play. And I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, conservative versus liberal politics, I mean like office politics, you know, right. people trying to get promotions and people with all their own motivations of what's going on there. And, you know, what are your obstacles there? And, who's doing what, and what can you do to motivate um, the different people in the organizations? And, one thing to be really careful of in my work <clears throat> is a phenomenon called analysis paralysis, right. which you may have heard of. This is where you're starting a new project and you have, maybe you're not even starting a new project, but you have so many alternatives that you don't know what to do and you really don't know which one to do. And what you have to do in that case is, and this goes back to the systems thinking skills. This is one of the skills that I outline in these four domain areas, which are mindset, which we talked about, um, the yeah. content of the systems, like what's in it. The behavior is how the system behaves. 
and the structure, which is how it's all organized. So this is sort of a this is sort of a mindset skill, um, and, and it's uh, and it's it's sort of sort of how do you uh, consider those issues uh, sort of appropriately, and and how do you move forward despite mm. the uncertainty? Sometimes you just need to make a choice. You don't know. There might be three alternatives. Just do it. Pick one. You know what? Some people are going to be mad at you. Some people aren't. It's fine. You, you, you got to pick a path, but be ready to adjust if that path isn't working. But you have to, at some point, make that decision and move forward. And maybe it's not going to go well. You might get hammered in the short term, um, but you are going to be able to move forward and learn from that. And then you'll be able to adjust and move your organization forward towards the goal. And also, when you make those decisions, a lot of those differing goals that you were talking about, George, they sort of, sort of shake from the tree and, and you start to realize yeah. who's doing what, you know, mm-hmm. and you can even, you can even move forward in a pseudo direction. That's maybe not even where you want to go, <laughs> you know, you know, and just, just, just to get that out in the open, get it in the air and start to get, I'm a big believer in, in sort of trust in the workplace and yeah. start to get and develop that trust, you know, even with someone whose goals might be misaligned to start, maybe we can get them on board and we show them, Hey, look, we're doing something really great here. And like, this is going to affect a lot of people's lives. Um, you know, in my work, we might say, hey, if we implement this new system, this is going to reduce collateral damage. This is going to reduce civilian casualties. If we can get this into the field a year earlier, we can save hundreds of lives, you know, mm. really, really effective. And so just, you know, everybody keep that in mind as you're working. Try to get, you know, I know you have all your personal goals, um, but try to try to think about the big picture here, what we're really working on and uh, keep your eye on the ball, you know. And I do a lot of work also in disaster search and rescue. Same story, right? If we could get the system out sooner, what if we missed the boat on the next big tsunami? We could have had this search and rescue swarm of drones out there finding people, save 20,000 lives. And here we are, like, bickering over office politics. Luckily, I think in my work, that's largely not the case. I mean, most people are aligned towards their goals. Uh, But it's still that for sure. Yeah. Now, that's that's a good motivator, saving lives. I understand that. Yeah. So have you found any sort of limitations uh, with systems thinking that you found that this is sort of limits in the system or how it's described or implemented in, in literature? So, yeah, well, in my, in my research area focuses, uh, it, well, I ended up focusing on how to kind of assess systems thinking skills. And the reason for that was because of exactly what you said. That sort of was the tip of the spear. I started looking at systems thinking. I'm a, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a heavily software background person. Yep. So how can I do software in relation to systems thinking? You know, maybe I can do some simulations to teach people how to use it, uh, things like that. And I started to look at how can I teach people to use systems thinking if I don't actually know how to measure it? And then I started to look at, well, what am I actually, and that's how I got into defining it. Like, what am I actually measuring? What are the skills that people use? And what actually is this thing at all? Yeah. So that's when I went and kind of wrote the, the systems thinking definition paper, which is kind of becoming the de facto standard across the globe, which is great. And I followed that up with a set of systems thinking skills, and it was meant to be like very approachable, um, you know, to, to practitioners of all different disciplines. And that's all geared towards how do we figure out how good people are at it. Mm. So that's sort of that's that that's that tip of the spear, and, and what are we assessing? How do we assess it? It's kind of hard because it's a performance-based skill. Mm. Kind of like assessing, you know, acting, like theater arts or something like that. Kind of a soft skill or even like a sports. You know, how do you, how can you test if someone's a real good fencer? You kind of have to see them fence. You can't really, 
<laughs> you can't you can't really ask them questions about fencing. That's not going to help too much, right? <laughs> so you so don't ask that. Right. So so it's hard so it's hard to figure out. And that's where we're at. Right? It's one of the areas, there's many tips and spears, but that's one of the areas that we're really at here in systems thinking is mm. I think it's becoming very widespread. Um, we're spreading systems thinking ideas. I see it being used abroad. I mean, here we are talking about it in the context of your company, right? Which mm-hmm. is amazing. I love that you called me into this. And, you know, I see it used in like chemistry and biology and, uh, you know, oceanography and it's like law all over the place, right? It's just being pulled all over the place, which is excellent. But we still don't really know that much about how to figure out how good people are at it. So is our training effective? Yeah. That's the key. Super interesting. So we, uh, we've uh, spent some time on this. We could probably talk for hours, uh, but we're coming to the end of this this, se- this uh, show. Uh, so if people want to access your work that you've done on systems thinking and, and maybe contact you if they want more information, where would they um, turn? So I have a, uh, um, a paper called The Definition of Systems Thinking, a Systems Approach. This is open access, so you can Google this paper great place to get started it's hosted on science direct and I believe that's how um, that's how you found me so that's a great place to get started and it has my email address on there always always open for uh, for, uh, for getting emails from folks I also have a follow-up to that a complete set of systems thinking skills and that's really really meant to simplify uh, the language and the verbiage in describing systems thinking skills and so I've got a lot of feedback there like it's been used from K to 12 it's been used in universities. There's been a lot of great feedback in terms of um, kind of helping to illuminate this, this mystery of systems thinking. So that would be the next stop. Uh, I, I'm actually, 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 uh, incidentally, I'm, I'm uh, graduating with my PhD next week. <laughs> my graduation and my my dissertation, I, I made that open access as well, all about systems thinking, just like what we're talking about here. So that'll be open access. Anyone can do a search for that. Just literally, probably just systems thinking. Ross Arnold will come right up. Um, so all of that should be open access. If you can't get access to it, just email me. I'm happy to send you the research. I would love for more people to, you know, be using this and spread these ideas. I think they, they really have the, uh, the ability to change the world. And I think they will. I really think they will. Very cool. Thanks a lot for all your hard work and putting so much effort into thinking about systems thinking. <laughs> and uh, thanks, for being, <laughs> thanks for being on the Stop Killing Deals show. And uh, yeah, have a fantastic day. And we'll, I'm sure we'll see each other uh, sooner than later. Okay, thanks so much, George. And uh, again, I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's a fantastic opportunity. And I, uh, I, hope, uh, I hope some of the subscribers can find this of use. This podcast is brought to you by Membrane.com, the sales enablement platform that helps you make how you sell into your competitive advantage. Whether you need to prospect better, manage your opportunities and pipeline better, improve your account planning and account growth activities, Membrane is the solution for you. So go to Membrane.com and fire up a trial today. You will not regret it because remember, how you sell matters.